it says in Psalm 100, verse 1, make a joyful noise. Verse 2, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Verse 2, come before His presence. Verse 3, know ye that the Lord, He is God. Verse uh, 4, enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Verse number 4, be thankful unto Him. Verse 4, and bless His name. We see in Psalm 100, we see seven specific commands. Remember we talked about it this morning, how did that word uh, uh, to uh, serve the Lord with gladness, that was a command, and the command is being made to you, and it's being made to me, we're supposed to obey that command. In this passage, we'll start here in a moment, but we see number one, we see commands for action. I want to tell you the Christian life is a wonderful life. It's a great life. It's the greatest life in all the world. But the Christian life requires some work. The Christian life requires some effort. And by the way, anything in life that is worth, worthwhile and of value, it takes some work. You want to have a good marriage, you have to work at it. You want to ha have those kids and see those kids learn something and grow up and love and serve God. You're going to have to work at it. Uh, you want that business to be successful. You're going to have to work. And unfortunately, we live in a very lazy society. It's amazing you talk to business owners around here. And th there are jobs, by the way. There's a lot of jobs. But it's hard to find people that want to work. But what's amazing is when we look at the Lord's work and the service of the King, Jesus Himself said, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. How come? Because the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we look at your word tonight. May we be willing to obey and willing to respond and willing to do what you've called us to do. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts these next few moments together. In Jesus' name, amen. We see, number one, the commands for action. There are seven specific commands found in Psalm 100. You could say this is your spiritual to-do list. These are seven things that God requires. These are seven things that God admonishes and challenges us and commands us to do. I want to make sure we're clear on this, that these are not the pastor's suggestions. Sometimes I'll make suggestions. I haven't said this in a while. I need to say this again very soon. But if you're able, we need you to park further away from the building. And we need to try to leave the close parking for our seniors and leave the close parking for our mothers with small children and leave the close parking for our visitors. Now, you're not going to find that in the Bible. Well, you'll find the principle, be kind one to another and in honor preferring one another. But it doesn't say that in the Bible. That's a, that's a suggestion. Uh, that's something I'll say, could you please help us with this? Sometimes after a, a service or something, I'll say, could you please uh, go out a certain way? Or uh, I'll say, when you're going out, can you be careful when you're turning left? And maybe you could turn. Those are just suggestions. Those are just some ideas. But if God gives us a command, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to obey it. It's not optional. It's not up for debate. 
It's not what you think, I'll do this, but I won't do this. No, God's word is given to us and the commands are there for us to obey. If we do what God says, that's obedience. If God tells us to do something and we don't do it, what's that called? It's called disobedience. It's called sin. James 4 says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. There are commands for action found in Psalm 100. Action requires effort. Action requires energy. Action requires our focus. It requires our time. And these actions are something that God commands us to do. Let's look at them quickly. Number one, it says in verse one, make a joyful noise. Now, remember this morning, we, we got real deep. Remember this morning, we talked about subject and verb and you under, I mean, we, I mean, some of you thought you were going back to school this morning, I'm sure. That word in Psalm 100, verse 1, that word noise, now not in the English, but that word in the Hebrew, that word noise is actually the verb. Now you say, well, I really am confused now because I didn't ever learn that noise was a verb. Well, it's not in English, but in the Hebrew, that word noise is actually a verb. It means to split the ear with sound. It means to shout for joy. It means to shout in triumph for the victory. So when God says in verse one, make a joyful noise, God is talking about us shouting. He's talking about us proclaiming and exclaiming the victory that God has given us. Psalm 66 verse one, make a joyful noise unto God all ye land. Psalm 100, verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Can I tell you why that command goes to all lands? Because he's king of all lands. He is Lord of all lands. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. And someday, they may not now, and boy, you watch this world and you see how people are, are, are defying God and people are mocking God and people are mocking the Bible and people are mocking Christianity. I got news for you. Someday, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The command is given by God because He is over the entire world. He is over all the lands. Psalm 81, sing aloud unto God our strength, make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Psalm 95, verse number one, turn back there if you would, a few pages back, Psalm 95, verse one, oh come, let us sing unto the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Verse two, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with Psalms. Psalm 98, turn over another page if you would there, please. Psalm 98, verse number four. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Psalm uh, 98, verse number six, with trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. We are to make a joyful noise. It's interesting in the Gospels, at the triumphal entry, as people began to rejoice and people began to praise the Lord and people began to worship the Lord, 
Jesus told the crowd there that was mocking and the crowd that was trying to get the crowd to calm down, Jesus said, if these hold their peace, then the rocks will cry out. Can I tell you, God has given us a job and God has given us a responsibility to praise the Lord. And if we don't, Jesus said the rocks would have to start because somebody, something ought to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And as Christians, we have reason to be joyful. As Christians, we ought to let it be known. As Christians, we have joy in Jesus and victory in Christ and we have a home in heaven. Friend, I want to tell you, God has been so good and, and if we cannot rejoice and make a joyful noise, then who can? I'm amazed. And some of you, I won't, I won't offend you tonight. I may offend you later in the season. But some of you, you get so excited about your sports team. And your sports team, let's just be honest, your sports team is terrible. And they're terrible every year. And every year you say, it's this is going to be the year, and this is going to be it. And every year you are absolutely wrong. And I guess we're just too nice to say anything to you. But you get excited about a sports team that stinks. You get excited about something that's not that exciting. And as Christians, we've got something to be excited about. We've got something to rejoice. We're saved. We're not going to hell. We're on our way to heaven. We've got a Savior that loves us. We've got a Lord who cares for us and watches over us and supplies our every need. Number one, make a joyful noise. Number two, here's the next thing on the to-do list for the Christian. We talked about it this morning. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. The word serve, it means to work. It means to serve as subjects. Now, keep in mind, I know this is going to come as a shock to you, but keep in mind that in Bible times, they did not have the work conditions that we have today. You didn't get the benefits and you didn't get the salary and you didn't get the overtime and you didn't get the bonuses and you didn't get the paid vacation and you didn't have an HR department that you could go to if there were problems. You didn't get any of that stuff. And some of you are thinking, well, we don't get any of that at our work either. But well, just stay with me. We're going somewhere. Can I tell you, most of the people in Bible times that read this and most of the people that heard this, they were servants. They didn't get a say. They didn't get rewarded for their service other than the fact that they got to live. They got food to put in their mouth and they had maybe some kind of a shelter over their head. They didn't have all those things. So you say, why would someone like that, why would a servant or a, a, a bond slave, why would they serve with gladness? Would you turn with me back to Exodus 21? I want to show you this passage. Exodus chapter 21. How many of you are wondering if I'm talking about your team? Anybody nervous about that? We'll see. We'll, we'll wait till a little further on in the season, then we'll tell you who we're talking about. Exodus 21, verse number 5. It says, and if the servant shall plainly say, this is the law concerning the servants and verse 2 says that they would serve for six years let's go back to verse 2 and serve for six years and and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing and if he came in by himself he shall go out by himself if he were married then his wife shall go out with him if his master have given him a wife 
Now, here's the way it worked. This is hard for us to fathom. But if someone was a servant and they went into a job as far as a master purchased them and this servant went in without a wife, but he got married while he was serving because the master said, here is a a wife for you, here's someone that you can marry. Then when his six years were up, he could go out free on the seventh year, but his wife had to stay. His children would have to stay. Verse number uh, four, if his master have given him a wife and he shall have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. Verse five, notice this. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Verse six, then his master shall bring him unto the judges and he shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him for how long? Forever. But this was a decision the servant could make. The servant could say, I know I can go free. I know I can go serve somebody else. I know I can go do something else, but I love my master. I love what my master has done for me. I love what the master has blessed me with. I love where I am. I love what I'm doing. And I'm not going out free. I'm staying here. And I'm serving my master forever. Can I tell you, that's how you serve with gladness. When service is a choice. And when service is done out of love for the master. You know where I'm going. You know how you can serve the Lord with gladness? The songwriter said this, I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me, but you have given life to me. Friend, I want to tell you how we can serve the Lord with gladness because he loved us, because he saved us, because he's blessed us. You know what we had before we met the master? Heartaches. Broken pieces, ruined lives are why you died on Calvary. Your touch is what I long for. You have given life to me. We're commanded to serve God with gladness. You say, Pastor, I've lost my joy. I've lost my gladness. I've lost it. We talked about it this morning uh, of joy in serving. You say, I've lost it. Well, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to fall in love with Jesus again. You need to fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with the Word of God. and You need to go back to the day that Jesus saved you and serve Him with gladness and serve Him forever. Not because you have to, but because you get to. Number three, it says in verse two, come before His presence with singing. Now, I'm thankful that Jesus bids us come. Aren't you glad He says, come unto me? Aren't you glad that throughout the Gospels, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. One of the last invitations in the Bible, it says, come. I'm glad that the sinner can come to Jesus. I'm glad He invites us to come. But this verse says, come before His presence with singing. The command is given to come, but there are specifics on how to come. Now, if you don't think specifics are important, you have never been to the Department of Motor Vehicles. You've never been to the DMV if you think specifics don't matter. 
I've told you the story. I've not, I've not had to wait too long here. But I, in California, Michael and Ashley, I'm sure you all can attest to this in Long Beach. The DMV, it is not just a, a part of your day. It's all of your day. And in some cases, you'd be prepared. You may have to come back the next day. It is out of control. I remember one time I went to the DMV in Santa Clara, uh, California, and I stood in line. I got there early. They told me, get there early, be there, be prepared. And I stood in line, and I was there for probably about an hour before they opened. I got up there, and thankfully, they were nice enough to come out and start making sure everybody had everything. And they asked me, do you have this? Yep. Do you have this? Yep. Do you have this? Yep. Do you have this? No. Go home. <laughs> I'm thinking, I've got three of the documents, that, but there was one document I didn't have. They said, well, you come back tomorrow. We can't do anything for you. You see, I went, I, I, I went to that DMV, but I didn't come the right way. If you've ever been for a tax appointment or you've ever been for a, a, a job interview and you didn't have the things you were supposed to bring, they may or may not be kind to you, but they're going to say, sorry, go home. Now, I'm not telling you God's going to send you home, but I am telling you this. God wants us to come, but he wants us to come into his presence with singing. When we come before the presence of God, that's not a flippant visit. That is not a casual visit. Can you imagine if you had the opportunity to go to the Oval Office at the White House? Can I tell you, you wouldn't treat that casually. You would make sure you were prepared. You'd make sure you had your background and had everything in order because it would be an important appearance. It'd be an important visit. Can you believe that we have the privilege every day of our life, every moment of every day, we have the privilege to come into the presence of the King of Kings. And Hebrews tells us we can come boldly, not because of us, but we can come boldly because of what Jesus did for us. And we can come boldly and find grace to help in time of need. It says come before his presence with singing. That word singing, again, it's a word that means to shout for joy, joyful singing, triumphing, and that's the way we ought to sing. Number three, know. It says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to work for somebody, I want to know about him. If I'm going to do a job, I want to know what I'm doing. I want to understand as much as I possibly can about that. Let me show you what this verse says, Psalm 100 what it says about our God. Number one, we said it this morning, but He is God. He is our Creator. It is He that hath made us. He is our Master. We are His people. And He is our Shepherd. He loves us and He cares for us. Notice next, it says, uh, verse number four, enter. We can enter into His gates with thanksgiving. When we enter, the gates, we ought to come with thanksgiving. You know, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we become so spoiled, even in our relationship with the Lord. God does this for us, and God does this, and God blesses here, and God takes care of this, and then there's one thing God didn't do, or there's a couple things that God didn't do, and we forget about the 97 things He did do. Can I tell you, we ought to enter His gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Next, verse number four, it says, be thankful unto him. Be thankful. This is a command to be thankful. If you and I are thankful, it will be evident in our life. Number 
uh, next in verse number four, it says we are to bless his name. That's a command, not only to be thankful, but to bless his name. That word bless, it's an act of adoration. It has the idea of kneeling before or saluting someone in authority. It means to praise. Can I tell you, we have the privilege to bless his name. I love all these songs we sing about Jesus and about the, the, the name of Jesus and how great thou art. I love it. You know what we're doing? We are fulfilling the commands of Psalm 100 to bless His name. These are commands for us to follow. Number one, I see the commands for action. Number two, very quickly I see in this passage there are conditions for our attitude. Now, with, with children, you understand this. If you have grandchildren... This maybe is not that big of a deal to you. You just let the parents take care of it. But for children, you know, attitude is very important. I always, uh, we, we, we tell our girls, children, obey. That's the action, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this right. The next verse talks about your attitude. Honor thy father and mother. That's to do it with the respect and with the right attitude. Brother, Dan, in Sunday school this morning, he, had, he and Miss Kelly put together that bulletin every week for the Victory Bible class, and um, I was uh, finished leading the song, and when I finished leading the song, I usually just have to make a trip over by the kitchen just to make sure the coffee's okay and maybe grab a cup. But anyway, I have to make sure it's okay. So I was listening, but I wasn't looking at the bulletin. And Brother Dan was reading off the, the note on the bulletin, and uh, the, the children uh, were learning in Sunday school. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And the Sunday school teacher said, now, boys and girls, are there any verses in the Bible that talk about how we're supposed to treat our brothers and sisters? And I'm in the kitchen thinking, I know that one. That's love your enemies. You know, I got that one figured out. But I was wrong. And Brother Dan read it. I was in the kitchen listening. And then he said, uh, the verse that the, the children came up with, they said, thou shalt not kill. That's a good one for your siblings too, right? But can I tell you, the attitude is so important. This passage, it says we're to be joyful. We're to make a joyful noise. Let me ask you this evening, are you joyful? Are you full of joy? If you're not full of joy, then you do not have the attitude that God wants you to have. Here's the next one, gladness. Are you glad? Are you mad? Are you sad? Or something else, but you ought to be glad. We ought to be glad. That's the attitude we ought to have. The next attitude is an attitude of singing or triumph or victory or being on the winning side. Here's the question about that is, do you sing? Do you, do you sing and rejoice? And I'm not talking about just at church, but during the week. Uh, I hope some of these songs we sing, uh, and I owe it all to you, Lord. I hope that'll stick with you this week. I hope you'll remember that. I hope you'll sing it. And you know what's great? is even if you don't remember the words, you can just sing the same phrase over and over and over again and annoy and, and bother everybody around you. But singing, confidence. It says in verse number three, know ye. There ought to be confidence and an attitude of confidence in the Christian life that we know that he is God. There ought to be an attitude of thanksgiving. Are you a thankful person? Do you give thanks? When was the last time you said thank you to anyone? When was the last time you took out a, a pen and a paper? And I know that sounds archaic. When was the last time you just wrote a note of thanks? When was the last time you sent a text message and the text message was not, where are you at? 
What's taking you so long? Hurry up. But when was the last time you sent a text message? Hey, I just wanted to thank you for filling the blank. I hope we're thankful. I hope that that is the attitude that we have. There ought to be an attitude of praise. There ought to be an attitude of adoration, of blessing God and worshiping God. Then number three, lastly, I see not only the command for action and the conditions for our attitude, but then I see the cause for acknowledgement. You know what this is all about, Psalm 100? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Him. It's all about how good God is. Notice what it says, make a joyful noise unto the who? The Lord. Serve the who? The Lord. Come before His presence. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates. Enter His courts. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. So why should we serve Him? Why should we praise Him? Why should we have joy? Notice verse 5. Here it is. Because the Lord is good. You know what's good about Him? Everything. As a matter of fact, He created the sun, the moon, the stars, and He saw everything that He made, and it was very good. God's never made anything bad. There's nothing bad about Him. He's 100% good, and He is God. The Lord is good. His mercy, we talked about it this morning, His mercy is everlasting. Never runs out. Doesn't have an expiration date. And His truth endureth to all generations. I'm glad that God was good and God was merciful and God was uh, gracious to my parents. But I'm glad it extends to all generations. I'm glad God was good back in the good old days. But I'm glad God's still good in these good new days. I'm glad that God is good. We must acknowledge who God is, and we must acknowledge who we are. You know who we are? The song we sang tonight, we're just the clay, but He's the potter. We are nothing, but He is everything. And may our lives bring honor and glory to Him. May we acknowledge Him and who He is.